Good morning, everybody. Oh, I have to put my mic on. Be right with you. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> Pleasure to be back. I haven't been here since we celebrated our third anniversary as a church, which was just a couple of weeks ago. And as I said to the first hour, uh, I began to dream about this church five years ago. And Pastor Rob, the lead pastor of Wheaton Bible Church, and I would talk about the fact that uh, most people who are looking for a church want something that's within 15 or 20 minutes of them. And so it doesn't matter what a fancy building we have in West Chicago and lots of extra seats. People from Streamwood aren't going to drive to West Chicago. And it's just true. So we began to dream. At first, we didn't think we'd be coming up here we actually thought that we were going more toward a Bloomingdale sort of area and such. Then the Lord opened up this place, which is, which is <laughs> you just don't get new church starts in a building like this. It's, it's really strange. And then we had this wonderful young man, that Will Franco, that God was raising up to be our pastor. And so with Will and Awana, we knew we had found the place where God wanted us to reach hundreds and hundreds of people who were far from God. And so thus you have this church. And I think with, because uh, we had such a great attendance first hour, I think with this one, we're, we had over 300 people, 300 people are in this room uh, today. So we thank God for that. Yeah. All right. I'm going to start with this question. Who are you when nobody sees? Ooh, that was Will. He just went, ooh. <laughs> or maybe it was someone else. I don't know. But we all were doing it inside, right, guys? Who are we when no one sees? Yeah, character has been defined as who I am when nobody sees. And... If we're going to be really authentic and honest, a lot of us would say, okay, if you see some of the things I think about, you wouldn't want me standing here right now to speak to you. <laughs> That's right, brother. Uh, lustful, angry, jealous, bitter. You know what bitterness is? Anger that hasn't been taken care of. And it just starts to simmer into an ongoing, never-ending bitterness. It's an awful thing. Vindictiveness, fear, etc., etc. We can all think of things that we are when nobody sees, if, if not in our actions, then in our words and in our thoughts. But today I want to turn that a little bit. I want to bring you some good news about this. If, if you have Jesus Christ living in you, and if you're following us in this Sermon on the Mount sermon, chapters 5 through 7, you're finding out that Jesus has some amazing things he's going to turn us into when nobody sees. That the inner person can literally become Christ-like. And, and so today, we get another chance to see what we can be in our inner persons not just a bunch of gunk and junk, but a bunch of beauty, newness, and hope, and dreams that come from our Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm very excited to, to do this with you. Shall we read the scriptures together? We're in the Sermon on the Mount, title, Authentic, Not Showy, Matthew chapter 6, 1 through 8. If you have your Bibles, open to that. If not, we'll have it for you on the screen. 
So here we go. Incidentally, Will and Lily are with us today, and this is one of those rare opportunities when we let him just sit and receive instead of having to pour out and pour out and pour out. So good to see you, buddy. <laughs> Hi, Lily. That's my daughter, Tara, sitting right at the end here. She's our first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want you all to meet and embarrass Tara when we leave. Uh, and she's my precious daughter has been with us as we planted churches in Palatine. She was with us in a church that we planted in Danville, California. She's uh, this is not new to her at all. In fact, she said, Dad, are you speaking in the little church today? And I go, I am. She go, oh, good. I'm coming because Tara and Lon and Marie, we're just not comfortable unless we're in a little church that wants to start reaching people. That, that, that's how we do it. So. All right. Enough of that. Enough of Lonisms. Here we go. Chapter 6. Jesus speaking. Gosh, I love the Lord. I mean, these things. Just imagine if you got to be there when he was first delivering these ideas. Oh, wow. Maybe we can. Maybe it is for us, right? So here we go. His disciples are all around him. Thousands of people are on the outskirts listening to every word he says. And he starts by saying, now be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others as to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Verses 5 through 8. And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. D don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need even before you ask him. All right? So some great interesting stuff. And uh, if I were to sum it up in one way, it was, who are we to be when no one sees us? We are to be generous. We are to be prayerful and sacrificial before God. That's where we're going today. Who are we when no one sees us? We, with Christ in us, we start to become uproariously generous wonderfully prayerful, and all with a manner of serving the world. That's who we are to be. All right, so let's look at the giving one first. Verse 1, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. And then in verse 2 it says, so when you give to the needy, that was called alms, A-L-M-S. And alms were what you gave after your normal commitments to giving were already satisfied. In other words, in the ancient Jewish tradition, you had to give three different kinds of tithes. It was part of the Jewish law. And then also your free will giving was to just give to those that were in need that you run into. 
And so Jesus is, he, notice what he doesn't say. It's not an if. So if you give to the needy, does he say that anywhere? Does he say, if you give to the, if you pray? He doesn't say, it's not if. When? When you give to the needy. When you pray. So it's not a matter of if you do these things. This is part of what it means to be a Christ-filled person. Some of you might be saying, I'm glad I'm not a Christ-filled person if I got... <laughs> We've got to be generous. And, and some of you are here probably just looking for God. I know we have some people for the very first time today. We want you to know there is nothing more meaningful than having a living relationship with the God of the universe who sent his son Jesus Christ. Is there anything like it? There's nothing like that. And, and when it happens, you start to change on the inside. We call this transformation. So Jesus is just defining what some of that looks like us for today. And you will be an uproariously generous person with Christ uh, navigating himself in you. And when you're not generous, you'll feel the ouch of conviction. <laughs> yeah, you'll feel the ouch of conviction. But look what Jesus is doing. He's not only saying give and pray. He's saying even how you do it. And he's saying do this quietly. You don't show off in these things. Verse 2, so when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. I did a little reading into that, and I thought, well, that's interesting. Who in the world would stand there and have trumpets blown to say, I am here to give to the needy? <laughs> Who would do that? Well, it started with a good motive. The motive was the poor are, are, are not in the main parts of the city, and yet they're everywhere. And if you had money to give to the poor, the trumpets would announce to the poor to come because someone is providing money. But you know what it turned into. It wasn't one trumpet. Maybe it started with one trumpet. Now you've got a whole brass section. And the, and the giver or the givers are dressed in their finest. And everybody is going to see their sacrificial, if it's sacrificial, giving. So you can see how it got blown out of perspective. It became showy instead of secret. Yeah. So it said, don't do that. Don't do that. If you, if you act religious in order to be approved by others, that's all the rewards you're going to get. And it ain't much, because no matter how good you are or how important you think you are, if you pass away, it'll, you'll be forgotten in a week. All right? So if that's the kind of reward you want, whoa, what a giving soul. Thou art the epitome of giving. I honor thee. Next week. Who was that guy that was here giving? <laughs> That's what Jesus is saying. If that's important to you, you'll get all the fanfare from people. It won't last long. And it won't be. It'll be ingenuous. Because they could be as mad at you next week as they were happy with you the week before. So that's where it all goes. He says, don't do that. Don't do that. When you give, give to the needy. Don't even let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. And I thought about That's a weird statement. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand was doing. First of all, I thought, I didn't know they could see each other. Okay? But, but what Jesus is doing with this is saying, literally, this thing of generous giving can turn into such a big pride deal inside you that it's best that when you do it, forget about it as soon as you can. 
in our country, uh, we have a wonderful thing that our taxes can be lessened uh, through our charitable giving. Nothing wrong with that. It's a, it's a nice thing. But if you have to get a receipt for what you give, you're giving for the wrong reasons. Right? That's where Jesus is going with this whole thing. It, it comes from the heart. As we have been given so much, so we want to return it. And Jesus said, just stay quiet about this. Just be careful about this. I, I like the, um, the Salvation, bell ringer, Salvation Army bell ringers at Christmas. And have you followed it? It's, it's at least 15 or 20 years uh, been running here in Chicagoland that a precious gold coin will be found in, in two or three of the kettles all around Chicagoland. And it's a big news item as to who put in the gold coin that is worth thousands of dollars. And nobody knows why. Because the person wants to be secret. I, I was at a wonderful play the other night, Tale of Two Cities. A great Christian troupe puts it on. And the arts have to have patrons. They have to have generous people to keep the arts going. So it's a perfectly appropriate thing. Uh, but it's a pattern within theatrical presentations called the playbill that you always have who the patrons are. They're listed by name. If your name is Jacqueline Baker, you gave between $1 and $49 this year. <laughs> Pretty good. If your name is Charles or Reba Hervis, you gave between $5,000 and $15,000. Ba, 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 ba! Trumpets. Now, this is intended for a good purpose. First of all, the arts. Secondly, if I'm wondering whether this is an acting troupe I would give to, if I notice some of those names and I know them, oh, well, they trust this organization. I can too. It's not all bad. But you know what it turns into? It turns into, look at me. Now, I found one name that I really liked, and I found it in the... Uh, a producer circle, 2,500 to 5,000. And I found it in the director's circle of giving, 5,000 to 15,000. And it starts with an A. Do you know what it is? Anonymous. This is what Jesus is talking about. This isn't about fanfare. This is simply about being generous because we have received such generosity and Jesus' heart is in us and so we want to be more and more generous all the time. Marie and I finally decided we need to just keep some dollars or small change close to us in our cars because this is the time of the year when those crazy people come out on the main thoroughfares wearing their orange vests and they have those little things for Kiwanis or, or, or for uh, wayside ministries. It's all good stuff, but they're going to get killed out there. Uh, and, and by the time that the, I stop at the light and they start moving down toward us and I'm reaching and trying so we just decide we just need to have some stuff laid aside that can be free will offering to that yeah because you want any, and when you're downtown when people are homeless and such God's people are supposed to give yeah yeah so but it's not about us it's all about God. Now, here's a problem. You have, if you've been studying these passages with us, the Sermon on the Mount, you should be saying right now, I'm really confused. Why? Well, because you remember that the second week that we started teaching the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. 
Okay? And, and a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. People don't light a lamp and then put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone. Look at, look at this verse. Verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So in week two, we were told to show off, to display through our deeds the goodness of God that is in us. Now, a few weeks later, Jesus is in a different mood. And he says, man, no, go secret on this. Don't even let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Just go, go deep and go silent, Right? Well, what is happening here? It all has to do with motive. You see, whose glory are we seeking to display by our actions? Right? That's what it comes down to. That's where Jesus is going. He's going for the heart. He's always hanging out in the heart, the core of who we are. All right? He's saying, if you're, if you're serving the poor, if you're helping mulch an elementary school, if you're working in our afternoon program, our cornerstone, and so it's, it's all great. It's all great, but do it for the glory of God, that they may see your works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. It doesn't say that they may see your good works and glorify you because you're really a cool person. Now, this is where Lon, who's an evangelist-type guy, always has to say, that's why our good works must always be attached to the good words of who God is and why we're doing it. Otherwise, people will be tempted to think we're more than we are. Uh, this happened in our Care Fest. How many of you worked in the thing we call Care Fest this year? Okay, a whole bunch of you did. We did several projects at schools. We were in a retirement community up here, weren't we, Will? And, and, so, and we did these all over the county. Uh, Southern Cook and DuPage County. And I took my neighbor, who's, who's a person who's thinking about uh, believing in Jesus but hasn't done it yet. And this is the second year I've invited him to participate, so he does a project with me. But this time I drove him around to several of our projects because I wanted him to see the expansiveness of it. And he was blown away. Uh, and we, you know, between what we, uh, here at Tri Village and the West Chicago campus and congregations, we had over a thousand people out that day. Uh, if you add it all up, it was tens of thousands of volunteer hours that happened that day. Pretty cool. So my neighbor, when we drive back to my house, and I've shown him all of these, he goes, "Oh man, Lon, I am so impressed by the people in your church." And I go, "No." No, they're not as good as you think they are, Frank. <laughs> yeah, I didn't say that, but, uh, but uh, it, it, it isn't us. It's Christ who is in us that moves us to do these things. This is all about him. Please don't think we're better than anyone else. If we are, it's only because the perfect one lives in us and he's making us into his own likeness. No, 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 no. Please don't perceive that. As what Wheaton Bible Church, Tri-Village does. Aren't they just the coolest? No, we're really not. Any cool in us is because of the cool, cool God who inhabits our hearts. Right? Who's making us into his own likeness. So that's kind of where this is. I've got an axiom for this. 
because it comes down to motive. If we are to shine when we're tempted to hide, and we are to hide when we are tempted to want to shine. Okay? Once again, we are to shine, tell the story of why we're doing these things when we are tempted to go silent about our faith. Similarly, we are to be very silent when we're tempted to want to self-shine to the world. That's kind of where all that's going. So I hope that helps. Now, we move to the prayer side of this. Uh, because he carries the same idea through. These are, um, if you will, today, we're talking about the religious actions that take place in Sermon on the Mount type people. Last week we were talking about the moral things that take place. The last couple of weeks. This is a religious thing. So, so um, Sermon on the Mount, godly people are people that are uproariously generous. And secondly, they are people of prayer. Uh, I believe that Will will... Are you speaking here next week, pal? So Will's going to really do the Lord's Prayer with you, and he's got a great message on that. Uh, uh, but let's just talk about prayer in general as it works here, because let's see how Jesus goes after it again. He starts it by saying, And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, they've received their reward in full. But you, when you pray, okay, and then and we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, Jesus recognizes that in his day and time, you were really considered cool if you could pray an eloquent prayer publicly. And because the Jews had to pray at a specific three times a day, no matter where they were, similar to how we see Muslim people praying today, uh, five times a day for them, right? So you've probably been in a taxi or uh, in some situation where the Muslim person will say, I need to just have five minutes now because of my requirement of prayer. And we give it to them gladly. But is it for show or is it for God? That's what it comes down to. And in the time of Jesus, at least, it started to be for show. He must be so religious. Did you hear that prayer? I have never seen so many these and vows used with such eloquence. Almost as if the prayers become not prayer, but an oration. And Jesus says, they don't love to pray. They love to be seen praying. So here he goes again. No, go secret, go deep. And then he says, but when you pray, verse 6, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father. Now I'm going to do something now that those of you who know me know that I just do. The rest of you will think that was really weird. This reminds me of a Beach Boys song. <laughs> Anybody know what it is? Some of you that are in boomers? There's a place where I can go and tell my secrets to. Now, five-part Beach Boy harmony. 
in my room, in my room, in my room, in his room. It's just eloquent harmonies. And of course, it was talking about when a girl has broken up with you and you're sad, you go into your room and close the door. That's what it's about. But in a sense, <laughs> let me see if I can make a transition here now. But in a sense, saying there's no one you love more than God. And if there's no one we love more than God, we want to spend time with God. Go, Jesus says, no, no, no. When you pray, go into your room. And for you, that might be a chair in your living room. For me, it's a chair in the living room. It's just a special place for me. And, uh, and talk to God and talk to God privately. Tell him the things you're really grateful for. Talk to him about the things that confuse you and you don't know what to do. Uh, tell him how sorry you are again that bitterness has found a place in your heart. It, it, it's personal time. It's intimacy in prayer is what we are called to. Then your father who sees what is done in the unseen will reward you. But then he, he goes on in verse 7, he says, But please, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. And you say, well, Lon, do we never pray publicly? Well, that can't be right. Jesus prayed publicly a lot. It's a motive behind the prayer. Don't keep babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. I, in one of the books I was studying this week, it told me about how much stuff Jewish people had to memorize word for word. I mean, it's like pages of stuff. That then they would pray out loud, word for word, in this kind of ongoing repetition, that if you heard it, you would go, wow, what a religious person. That isn't right. It's showing off. Similarly, I like his use of the term babbling. See, the repetitive prayers are not babbling, it's repetition. And we can challenge the rightness of that. But man, some of us are more guilty of just babbling on and on in our prayers. I, <laughs> I can be guilty of this. I tell God everything he already knows. Or... If I'm in a prayer meeting, I will sometimes really want to be communicating to some people. Lord, thank you that we can be here today. Lord, in my heart I grieve uh, as some of our prayers have taken on a political tone. Uh, and Lord, I just pray that you will help us realize that we serve you and not the Republican Party uh, or the Democratic Party. And, 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 and Lord, just help us to grow in that area. Lord, I, I also pray for those who just, I, you know, it's so easy for us in prayer when we're talking to you that it's just all about us. And, and Lord, Lord... Um, yeah, just help us, help us to grow beyond that, Lord. And, 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 and Lord, just correct us where we are wrong. And you know what I'm really saying is correct them, uh, uh, Lord. And, and, and thank you for all you do for me. Amen. Now, that's what we call exaggerating a reality. But do you know how easy it is to babble on in prayer and not be talking to God, but be trying to make a point. And Jesus says, don't do that. When you pray in publicly, it's like you're praying privately to God. 
Don't do that anymore. Don't pray in public if you don't in private. <laughs> yeah, it'll show. It'll show. So he says, avoid not being vain, self Focused repetition. Avoid being vain, babbling to impress the listeners or lecturing them. And then I love the way he ends it right at the end of verse 8. He says, don't be like them. Then he says these words. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Now then you want to say, well, then why do I ask? I mean, he already knows. Well, you need to ask him for you more than for him. And he wants that kind of honesty coming from our hearts into his heart. Yeah. Is that helpful? Everybody? Is that a little helpful? Okay. Um, I love knowing that my father knows what I need before I do. Because sometimes I am so confused and conflicted in my prayers that I'll sometimes just raise my hand and say, Help me, Lord. I don't even know how to put words to it. I can't even get the thoughts figured out right. And I know that our loving father's He's going, I know, I know, and I just love that you're trying. I got this. I got this. <laughs> you got it. All right. Now, final point I want to go to. We've talked about when a secret is better than a shout, when you go silent in giving and you go silent in prayer. Okay. Um, did you notice that one, two, three, four times in these eight verses, he starts talking about this reward thing? It's in verse 1. If you practice your righteousness in front of others, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. Well, that suggests that there are rewards from our Father in heaven. I like that. Verse 2. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Huh. Verse 5. Truly I tell you, those who love to pray in the synagogues and out on the street corners to be seen by others, they have their reward in full. Verse number six, come to your father quietly unseen, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Will, there are rewards for obedience. There are rewards for giving quietly and praying quietly and not showing off. There, there are rewards. You say, oh, no, 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 there doesn't need to be. The only reward I need is knowing that I'm forgiven by Jesus Christ, and I'm going to live with him now, and I get to live with him forever, and I don't need any rewards. Yes, you do. It, 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 it's the way we've been made as people. Any action that we take or attitude that we possess, if it achieves nothing, it's senseless. It always achieves something. <laughs> reward or what penalty that's just who we are as humans uh, every action gives a response w when I give generously or you give generously you feel pretty good about it right that's a reward there's nothing wrong with that God has rewards so what are the rewards that God is promising through being quiet about our giving and quiet about our praying. Here's some suggestions. Number one, the number one reward is that our faith is restored. Uh, when we give generously, when we pray silently, don't you find that 
that, that you feel your own faith growing. I, I saw that, Marie and I saw this story a couple weeks ago on um, the evening news. You know, if you watch the evening news or, or download it, it's 23 minutes of hell on earth. Nothing's right. There's no hope. Right? That's the news. And then, but now the anchors are having one good news story at the end, and I hold on for it. Oh, Lord, I'll hold on through the next 10 commercials because I really need some hope. Uh, and the hope story two weeks ago on CBS was the story of Reverend Jerome Jones, Monticello, Georgia. Small little church that he's the pastor of. They showed the church... Uh, it's, it's, it's the Monticello Baptist Church, Georgia. Maybe 10, 15, 20 people go to it. And he's the pastor. Well, they can't afford to pay him, so he also works full-time for the power company, okay, for ComEd, if you will. And that's how he makes his living. But the interview is, is, is him saying, I, I was getting to the point where I didn't even want to come to the church anymore. And the reason is, is I didn't feel I could give my people any hope. Life's just really hard and it's not working for me either. In essence, that's what he said. And then they said, well, so what happened? Because you are here now and you have great joy. And he says, well, let me tell you what happened. I, I was out working on power lines, power company, one day, and some helium balloons that were in the air fell down right in front of me. And attached to the helium balloons was a card. And I lifted it up and I held it. And it said, Dear God, please give me everything that I need so I can go to college next Wednesday. And then it was signed by this lovely young woman and where she lived. Dear God. So she had attached it to helium balloons and sent her prayer into the sky. <laughs> and it falls right in front of a highly depressed, non-functional pastor. All right. And he picks it up and he reads it. <laughs> and he goes, he goes to God, oh, this is funny. <laughs> you, 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 you're in this, aren't you? And he clearly was. And Jerome Jones, his background was is that he was trying as hard as he could to help the church grow and trying as hard as he could to care for his family. And he'd had to use all of his savings with the exception of $125 to pay his mom's taxes on her house for the year. Okay? And now he's got this. He got, I got nothing. I can't do anything with this. And then he, then he felt like the Lord was saying to him, no, you have $125. And he got just overwhelmed with the sense that he was to take this $125 and he drove to the town in Georgia where the woman was in the school and he found the woman and she found out that she, did, she couldn't even afford a comforter for her bed. She'd taken out maximum student loans that will be hard for her to ever pay back. She was the first person in her family to have ever been accepted and go to college. I mean, it's just a cool story. And so he bought her a comforter and a little mini refrigerator to put in her room. And the guy goes, and how much did that cost? $125. Now... I don't know what happened. I'm hoping tons of people from all over the country sent Jerome Jones some money. That's what I hope. But the point is, that didn't matter to him. He was doing what God told him to do, and his faith was restored. I mean, how many people get a helium balloon with a message directly from God? Your faith is restored 
when you serve him faithfully and quietly. Number two, number two, not only is your faith renewed, but you'll find out that, um, that God is pleased. Is there anything better than that? The words, some of the words Jesus said, well done, good and faithful servant. What you uh, have done now will be remembered. Good job, guys. Don't you love it when someone you respect says, good job, guys? Thank you so much. There's just the beauty of being, knowing that we have pleased God. Number three, not only is God pleased, you are. Look what happened to Jerome Jones. Or, or I read the story this week of the great, um, I think, 17th century poet, George Herbert. And George Herbert, uh, one evening, was in his carriage being pulled by the horses, and, and he had his instrument, I think, a violin, and he, he would oftentimes in the evening meet with some other musicians, and they would just make music until dawn, you know? And he loved doing that. One, one day, he's heading toward the, his friend's house for this, and somebody's wagon has gotten caught in the mud, and they can't get it out. So jo- uh, George Herbert stops his little buggy, lays down his instrument, rolls up his sleeves, gets out there, and, and it sounds like he had to spend a couple of hours just trying to help this person to get back up and going. And then he drove to the house where the music would be played. And when he got there, his friends kind of ticked at him. They say, you have missed all the music, George. You have missed all the music. And George Herbert, in his perfection, says this, I have songs to sing now that will last me long past midnight. Nothing pleases us more than pleasing God and find out that when we're pleasing God, the core of who we are is pleased as well. Love it. Number four, you get more meaningful work to do. You go, oh, no, I don't want to work more. Oh, yes, you do. When it's serving God, you want to. It's just flat out so cool. And and the more you are faithful, the more opportunities that you have. The, The more that you let Jesus set up your inner soul, the more outward opportunities you have to share him and serve him in various ways. So rewards are everywhere. Your faith is restored. God is pleased. You're pleased. And you get more opportunity to serve him in this world. That's a pretty good reward package. Yeah. Well, sum it up like this. Who are you when no one sees? And Jesus says, if I'm in you, you'll start finding that you'll be generous and prayerful when no one sees. Yeah. It's just like our Lord Jesus. Talk about secretive. Being born in Bethlehem? Who'd have thunk it? He should have been born in Jerusalem. No, 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 Rome. Let God show off. No, Bethlehem. Think about his generosity. What did Jesus give? Everything. The last $125 he gave it. His own life. How about prayerfulness? Jesus' inner prayer life was so rich and deep that even when he's on the cross, the first thing that comes from his holy mouth is, Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. All Jesus is telling us to be is to be what he is. Yeah, let's pray. And so, Father, uh, I come to you thanking you for these precious words and giving us guidance on how to live life well. 
And I pray, Lord, that you will work in us that we don't need to show off about anything, our giving or our prayers or the people we know or our credentials or anything else that we're just so pleased to just be your child and let what comes out of us be seen and received as always coming from you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.